For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. I'm Bob Williams, and right to my side, it's our humble host, Jim Gerhardt. Good morning, Jim. Well, good morning, everyone. You asked me, what is my sartorially splendid uh, uh, wrapping today? Uh, yes. Okay. Can, oh, can yeah. you... what, are you, what, are you, what are you wearing there? Yeah, that's why that's what you, were, you were commenting on that. Can you see that? Can you get it? I think it says Stone Pony. It's stone, my Stone Pony shirt. I, I wear <laughs> this in recognition of Bruce Springsteen's ordeal. Right. I thought that would be appropriate. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about there. Yep, we got to talk about Bruce. We got a whole bunch of other Jersey stuff coming up. Where do we begin this morning? I'll tell you where we begin. You had pointed this out because I was unaware of it. Our, our governor had uh, gone on radio and he had uh, explained the new what wrinkles in the uh, the elusive marijuana law. Yes. Uh, that's coming up, but he did it on a what sort of almost an obscure station in New York. It was a very special station. He did it and on a non-New sudden, York radio station. Yeah. yeah, all of a sudden you blew because because he continues to avoid New Jersey's biggest radio station with the largest audience of voters and citizens who are very well informed and really are in tune to what's going on and are primarily affected. Uh, the governor decided, as he's done many times, to avoid New Jersey 101.5 and to go to other radio stations, which may be a little bit more welcoming to him and not being asking objective questions and really holding him to the issues at hand. Uh, he decided to go to a radio station in uh, out of New York City that um, that uh, uh, focuses on uh, young listeners uh, impressionable listeners who are, are primarily affected by the new weed laws here in New Jersey. And uh, a lot of loopholes, Jim, that I think a lot of people who voted for illegal weed here in New Jersey weren't bargaining for, like uh, uh, very limited control by the police for underage use of marijuana and things like that. The governor continues to avoid this radio station. We have over it, and we've had it since you, since we, since you were the morning host. We've had, we have over a like a nine hundred thousand to a million listeners per week, uh, New Jersey voters. And he continues yeah. to avoid the format of speaking directly. He's avoided most long-form uh, programming, news programming that we've offered over the years. He declined to do a regular Ask the Governor program. First governor in the history of the radio station to decline to do that. He's uh, he's had very limited uh, contact, direct contact, unscripted contact with our audience. Now, that's not to say that the administration does not give full access to our news department. They do very well. David Mathau and all of our reporters have access. They get the answers they need it. But when it comes to unscripted uh, dialogue between uh, the governor and our audience, it's non-existent. Yet he'll go on a softball sort of radio station where they're going to be friendly to him. It's not that we're going to well, be hostile, it's but we're going to be fair in the questions that we ask and the, and the audience is going to ask, as we always have been, Jim. 
the the governor remember is in a re-election campaign right now yes he is in the re-election mode and you don't notice that because of the other stuff going on but essentially is this i don't know uh, by what logic he will not appear on this radio station presumably he is afraid to face our audience or this uh, segment of the population now we've done this for years eric scott has done a masterful job of this over the years i had the uh, the pleasure of doing it back in the some of the uh, florio and the whitman years the ask the governor program but that's been a mainstay now as far as audience is concerned at one time, and I'm assuming it's continued, this radio station, New Jersey 101.5, had the highest the audience of any FM talk radio station in the country. Yes. And so there's very fertile ground out there for somebody to get to get their point across. I mean, I used to sit there about oh, every other week or so under Corzine. And, uh, you, you know, in, in light of this, you have to acknowledge a governor who went out under something of a cloud, not of disgrace, but a, a dark cloud, uh, which was Jim McGreevy. And looking back, he not only was the governor, as I've said many times, who got more accomplished for New Jersey than any other governor of his time and since then, but he had courage. He would come in and face Eric Scott, who right. is an absolute masterful interviewer. Eric would pin him right up into a corner on issues, but he never blew his cool. He never got mad. We were all friends when he left the studio and uh, he had guts. He, 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 the courage to face up to his own actions. Right. Uh, I would have to assume that this governor does not do that program because he feels for some reason or other that he's going to be at some kind of a disadvantage. Right. Uh, and, and perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps he, he doesn't feel the, uh, the confidence in himself in that area that he can withstand what would be some critical questions. And this governor continues to avoid all talk shows here. Obviously, everyone knows the radio station has two folds. It's uh, straight news during the newscast and strong opinion by the hosts. But the, the governor refuses to be part of either one of those long form platforms. He's been invited repeatedly to be on any show. Um, and again, he's been offered to do those long form uh, public affairs shows. Where was the governor? Where's the governor been through the pandemic? Where was the governor last month with that major snowstorm, one of the biggest in our history? We would love to have heard from him to tell us how the plows are doing and what we can expect and things like that. We're looking for guidance. You know, uh, look at Governor Christie, you know, on the same lines as uh, Governor uh, uh, Governor McGreevy, those guys, you know, they took their lumps and, it, you know, fairly so they 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 came in there and they were they were brave. They stood up to the audience and and they, they answered the questions and they were not afraid of of uh, of speaking off script to the. I want to I wanna get to something now you brought up that he was talking about the new marijuana law, which is completely inexplicable to me. Yes. It's like, uh, as with some other matters, we have gone so far down the rabbit hole that nobody can figure this out. Let me turn to uh, Dan Alexander now, our, our hey, newsman. Dan. Morning. Good Dan, morning. I would like for you, if you will, please, to enlighten us about the aspect of this new law, which is what dragged on for years now. And it's apparently we're not going to get any action on it. Finally, you're not going to get to smoke weed, at least for another year. It would appear. But let's get to this part of the 
law enforcement being forbidden to notify parents. As I understand it, they're forbidden to notify parents if your child is caught either using alcohol or illegal drugs. Well, we uh, we have a yeah, we, we have a, a, a Q and A on our website and on our free app that uh, Sergio Bichau and Aaron Vote put together. Um, kind of answering a lot of these questions, but when about to your particular issue, basically an, uh, a law a police cannot uh, stop an offender. They can't. They can't stop. They can't charge you with having marijuana based solely on uh, smell. So in other words, you they stop you. They smell the marijuana. They can't just assume you have marijuana, and that's kind of what the that's the crux of the issue is um, um, when they stop when they stop you. Does that go for dogs too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Um, so, but but what the law does is that um, so the voters approved a ballot referendum in November. Recreational marijuana sales are now permitted under the legislation, pending the physical marketplaces. So that's the next step. How are you going to sell it? In other words, I can't. You're not going to be able to go to to Wawa and buy marijuana, but you have to go to a certain marketplace, and that's what the legislation that was that was signed by the governor. But it was part of it. A big part of it was that these marketplaces are now uh, have to be established. So now, once recreational sales begin. Adults 21 and older can purchase up to one ounce of weed at a time, and this doesn't affect the medical marijuana. That's a whole separate issue. This is this is just ba- recreational use. Well, no, no. I want to get back to this business with 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 notifying kids' parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the thing that grabbed me with that it is another erosion of parental responsibility, and this is not because the parents are declining it. Uh, there was a case in California in which the school, uh, a school or schools in, w- in one of the districts had started giving questionnaires out to uh, elementary school students questioning them about their sex life. And these are things that kids knew nothing about. But they were asking, have you ever felt inclined, any, any strange feeling with people of the same gender, you know, stuff like that. Parents were up in arms. They went to court. They sued. The court, and I believe this was this Mary Madcap Scamps at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals out there, they ruled in favor of the school system and the survey because they said it is not the parents' responsibility to guide kids into their place in the world. It is the responsibility of the education system, which is to say the government. So this is definitely taking responsibility for kids out of the hands of of the parent. And it seemed to me this is something that if you cannot notify a parent if you're 13 year old or something <laughs> it is caught with illegal drugs well let me let me read you from our, uh, from, our from our Q&A um, so the question what right. about it says anyone younger than 21 caught with any amount of marijuana cannabis hashish or alcohol in any public place including a school now gets a written warning for a first offense that warning must include the person's name, address, and date of birth, but will not be sent or provided to a parent or guardian. Those younger than 21 yeah. caught a second there. time drinking pot, drinking, or with weed in their possession get another written warning along with materials on community drug treatment services. For those younger than 18, the warnings for both offenses then get sent to a parent or guardian. So in other words, it's going to take two times for a parent to be you notified. Get, you, get, you get two freebies, and yeah. then at some point they presumably are urged anyway, I don't know if it's mandatory, but they they notify the parents. Well, by the time they notify the parents, the kid could be hooked. Yes. 
you is that make not that true? Argument. You could make that argument. Right. Well, I'm, and there's some factions that say that. Um, I know we're getting into a different discussion here, but uh, certain factions say that the uh, the the brain is not completely developed until it's yeah. in its uh, early twenties or early third uh, early to mid twenties. So yeah. you're, you may be doing some developmental issues to someone who try trying pot at an early age, 16, 17-ish. Absolutely, because some, some children, very young, they are somehow uh, neurologically inclined toward addictive behavior. Yeah. And so uh, the, I don't know where, this this has me so befuddled, this whole world that we yeah. have. Okay. Other right. things that, uh, and other things, uh, you know, with um, uh, happening with New Jersey and the governor this week, uh, the budget. We're discussing the budget beforehand. Um, crazy, uh, you know. We're we're talking. It's like it doesn't add up the uh, the math. I mean, basically, just to throw it out there, I'm sure Dan can expound upon this. But apparently, the this budget uh, calls for 11 percent increased in spending across the board, different areas. Yep. Yet there is no provision for increased taxes or any additional fees or uh, increases in fees. It seems like it's uh, not adding up. How do you add spending without bringing in more receipts? Now, here you have a state that's broke anyway, so hugely in, in debt and behind in their obligations. They're going to spend incalculable amounts of money and yet not increase any source of revenue to cover it. <laughs> so if this is not putting all our resources in a bucket and hanging it up and, and poking a hole in the bottom of it. Yeah. So, it, 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 it makes no sense. This is uh, what Murphomatics. Mur uh, yeah, this, this may come under the, the heading of the thing we talked about last week, this idiotic move to, uh, what, what was it, to, to remove racism from mathematics. Yes. By right. proclaiming that, that mathematics. correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> mathematics need not be precise. And any answer you put down is fine. I think he must have bought into that. Yeah. Because, oh, and also, to uh, you know, your point. The, let, let, let's just do a little bit of math ourselves here, Jim. Uh, governors, this is his fourth budget, right? Fourth budget. The previous three have included major tax increases across the board to offset for his uh, spending initiatives. That's the first three years. Now, all of a sudden, there is no increase. And there is no there is an increase, but there's no tax increase. Hmm. I wonder, is this an election year, perhaps? Hmm. Hmm. That's uh, <laughs> that. That is uh, <laughs> where where this comes from and where it goes. I do not know. I, I think one. Uh, I would not be surprised now if they find out that okay, we're going to cut by. We're going to reduce school spending. Although I think he said they're going to increase school spending. Maybe aid to municipalities. Great. We'll save money. We'll cut back what we give municipalities. Where's the municipality? What are they going to do? They're going to turn around and shove it to you. In so, property tax, of let, course, let me, which uh, is the great abomination in New Jersey to start with. Eric Scott so wrote a piece. I, uh, <laughs> well, there, there's no hope for any reform in that area, the property tax situation no. in, yeah. in the foreseeable future. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> I, oh, I, I've got to read this piece. You, you had sent me this. I think this was from uh, Kurt Vonnegut, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I remember reading this. In a book I think he wrote back in the 90s, and it was called, the book is called uh, Man Without a Country. But, and he makes a case for this, the, the mental stability of, of, of big, important people. 
And he says, here was the quote, and boy, is, does this ring a bell. Imagine a small handful of ridiculously wealthy, powerful psychopaths. Imagine they could make you believe anything they wanted by simply controlling what they put on TV. <laughs> Whoa. It's what we got. That's what we've got. I, oh, well, you know, speak, speaking of that, I, 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 I will start here by a glance at the text. This is Eric Fromm, the great uh, psychiatrist and, and humanitarian, who said the lust for power is not rooted in strength, but rather in weakness. Now, you can make an excellent case that everybody, well, I would say most, who are in these high positions of power, be political, technological, uh, corporate or, or sociopaths to some extent or another. You have to be to get there, I would think. Yeah. And so here we have a handful of ridiculously wealthy, powerful psychopaths, people with some loose screws, uh, whose only concern is themselves and their own indulgences. And they also have encaptured this media who will make you believe anything they want to tell you without any critical examination of the facts. Yes. Because, as you know, we have been cut off in direct violation of the First Amendment, cut off from free communication. Now we can only have communication that is that that is in favor of this uh, this ruling combination that we have this is going on right now. I, I thought of something else interesting. I, I saw a story that said that there's some uh, critical backlash to uh, Bezos. In fact, he's going to get a communication from a lot of people who are chiding him for refusing to sell on his platform, Amazon, books and material by conservative authors. Right, right. And so it seemed like, well, this is a ridiculous political move, which, of course, he can he'll get away with. But it occurred to me, this is a, a rather brilliant commercial move on Bezos's part. Amazon is the largest retailer for China. Yeah, right. It is the largest Chinese goods retail outlet in the world. Amazon sells more of it than anybody else. And so if you have an administration or if you have uh, opposition abroad in the land, to allowing China to continue unchecked with their effect on the American economy, then his corporation makes out like bandits. They continue to. But if you have a strong president and administration who is going to try to rein in the Chinese influence, or at least ameliorate it to the extent that we can uh, sort of sort of coexist economically in the world, then that is not to Amazon's advantage. Or these other corporations who are simply jumped into bed with the, <laughs> the the capitalists jumped into bed with the revolutionaries because the revolutionaries at this point anyway will allow the capitalists to continue growing right. and stashing what has been estimated. One estimate I saw, I think I'd mentioned this before, something like $32 trillion in offshore tax havens. <laughs> of the world while the money is sucked out of the domestic uh, pool of resources which keep wages and jobs and opportunities down right so uh 
I, I, as, as much as I don't like it to think it, I, I don't think this is going to end well. Somehow, I don't think it's going to end well. I, I Again, you know, there's an old saying, be careful what you ask for because you may get it. For years, when I was doing the morning show, I used to point out uh, foibles of the capitalism on steroids, as I used to say. It's gone a little bit. It's gone completely too far. They said we need a reset button pushed. Now, my view was that if we had a, uh, and the reset button could only happen because we're so hysterically and maniacally entrenched in this uh, system of, of greed, enterprise, profit, that uh, the only way I could see would be a, a catastrophe of some kind or a, a great somehow convolution. Right. And I thought it would be economic. A big economic bubble would burst would be one thing, or a natural disaster of large proportion. Uh, and why I thought that is, having been around for a long time, I lived through the Great Depression and World War II, both of which had brought people together. There was a great unity then. Even in very bad times, the people were together. There was a sense of unity uh, and, and, and feeling for one another, a fellow feeling. That is not the case because this catastrophe, which I think is this new left takeover, has torn people further apart. It's had the complete opposite effect of what I had assumed. And so I, instead of unifying, we have been balkanized uh, by race, by ideology, by economics, by uh, profession, into this, this balkanized mass everybody at everybody else's throat contesting for their share and of course the all the groups now that supported this move to the left want payback they want their share of it and they started screaming for that and they're getting it more and more right and that's where this uh part this, uh, I, I can only see it going downhill it, it can't this <laughs> this does not compute as robbie the robot right. used to say. And, and that is the that's why the big uh, argument over the uh, the new stimulus bill a lot of it, apparently, uh, from what we're hearing, involves payback to a lot of the Democratic supporters that uh, got uh, Biden and, and the crew elected there. I mean, $1.9 trillion. I mean, that should fix a lot of problems. It goes to the right spots, but it, maybe it also is going where it shouldn't be going for paybacks and things like well, this. Is, this, this was the understanding when the, uh, the Democratic uh, presidential campaign and, and the congressional campaign was that you back us and then we will look favorably upon your special interests. Well, their special interests are simply very damaging to, to government. And also you throw into this, this move from the left to do away, this is an overall thing, with the concept of nations. This goes toward the globalism, the one world, which I think the elite feel this is wonderful because we will get to rule the world. And the commercial, the, uh, the the corporate people, they, okay, wonderful, because then again, we will open up all of these markets now, and we will still have control over these monopolies to satisfy the demands worldwide in the markets. And the tech people, by saying, okay, we will control thought. Man, what a great ego boost that is. Right. They had a, uh, they had a, uh, a reporter, NBC, I don't know the name, it was, it was a lady reporter, some time ago. When uh, someone brought up the question of uh, 
the news people getting involved in politics. But anyway, she said it is as uh, what journalists so called is our job to tell people what to think. Mm. That's that's a scary thought, but I think this is in the head of these egomaniacs who are, who are on the two. Oh, I, I wanted to bring up something. We have a limited amount of time here. Uh, talk about deja vu all over again. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas is being excoriated now and vilified because when the great storm came into Texas, which nobody expected, it was devastating. He, in the early part of that, or maybe before it started, got on a plane, took his family to Cancun. To a nice place out of the bad weather and the crisis. Uh, and then he came back. But anyway, the wolves, wolf pack in the media is after him because he did that. Now, let's go back 10 years. This would have been in the winter, I believe, of 2010, 2011, thereabouts. Chris Christie was a fairly new governor at the time, had not been in office uh, certainly more than a year. Yeah, that was his there first- was a great storm. It was a great storm that was uh, predicted. And actually came to pass in New Jersey, a great winter snowstorm that bound up parts, certainly of Ocean County, notably, but then most of the rest of the state. In Brick, for example, you couldn't move. You couldn't get out. You couldn't get on the street, out of your house. Emergency equipment couldn't move. So at the beginning of that crisis, Governor Christie got on a plane with his family and went to Disney World. Now, you remember that? Yep. Oh, yeah. And he uh, he got called on it. Absolutely. but he didn't get called very much and very long because what happened was, and I don't believe this was anything ingenious on his part. It was probably a natural instinct, but it worked. And he based the whole thing. Any criticism was met with the fact that Chris, said, but I had promised my family I would take them. Mm. And I saw this happen in a group of people I was sitting at one time when this came up. The first uh expression was that, well, boy, he he certainly got out of that. He's the leader. He should have stayed in the state. Somebody else said, yes, but he had promised his family. The family comes first. He's a good family man. And he, and he, he, that is, that carried the day. And then the fact that he's made a promise to, and he didn't come back as Cruz did. (laughs) And then soon thereafter, he he ordered his FEMA fleece, which he wore for the rest of his uh, term during, uh, types of disasters oh, well that that was that that was well that was another matter that was his uh uh sandy yeah here's hurricane sandy fleece the hurricane Sandy. that was his finest hour that was yeah I, I was i was in the company of the governor the night that that hit and it was going on it was howling he was at the radio station he he was doing the ask the governor show that you brought up on the night that sandy hit so and the governor had brought his family at least the girls and, and Mrs. Christie, to the station. And then when he got through the program with Eric, they were going to go up to Drummondswack at the governor's mansion to get out of the storm. Well, the storm was raging because I know I had my uh, my Rottweiler Blitz with me that night. He was a, about a year old. I took him out at one time to go pee-pee and or poo-poo out behind the radio station. And he sort of blew out to the end of the leash. <laughs> he was yeah. it, it caught him broadside. And it was a heck of a storm going on. And uh, but anyway, the governor was there that night and went in and did the program with Eric. And to show you getting back to how you open this with the importance of the governor communicating on this radio station, that was important enough to Governor Christie to fulfill his obligation to spend the eight to nine hour with Eric on the that he would put off running for shelter in a bad storm. He took that obligation very seriously. 
In fact, when he went into the studio, he turned around to me and says, come on, come on in here with us. And I said, no, no, I, I can't. He said, come on, come on. No, because the program was Eric's baby. And that was a sacred, <laughs> a sacred event on the radio station because Eric handled these programs just beautifully. Yeah. Ain't no way I was going to sit in there and get in the way of that. Right. So uh, anyway. Those were the, the days, Jim. Those were the days. I got to mention a couple of things before we go. The asininities of the week, if I could take a second. I saw a, a thing uh, that uh, how to plan. This was online. How to plan a gender neutral baby shower. OK, because pink and blue is sexist. It's probably racist too. everything else is. But I, right now we'll stick with that. So in order to have a baby shower nowadays, no pink or blue, everything must be a neutral color. So I, I pass that out for people who are going to a baby shower. Okay. Uh, now, another another one is that uh, proscribed now, never to be said in, in a business sense, I need you to, you know, say I need you to go get this or I need your you to comment on that or I need you to get a report on this. Because when you say to somebody, I need you to, that indicates privilege. That you have the privilege of the next thing, I guess, is, again, I keep saying the World Series of Asininity, but we have these World Series every day <laughs> or breastfeeding. The term breastfeeding yeah. is out. It cannot be used. Really? I think you saw that, if I'm not mistaken. Breastfeeding. Now you have to say that a baby is chest feeding because to say breastfeeding invokes what salacious thoughts. Now, I, I don't think the baby has salacious thoughts. No. And I don't think anybody else does either, except the people who come up with this crap. Right. And uh, so <laughs> they, they, these are the witch sniffers, I guess. They have to keep coming up with this stuff. Because remember, we're just sitting out here, gaga, what's going on? These people are, are somehow earning a living doing this. Yeah. In one form or another, whether in journalism or becoming a diversity monitor, you have to go out there and sniff for the witches. If you don't find any, it's like the witch sniffer in the 13th century. If he didn't sniff up any witches, he didn't get paid. Right. And so these people, how are you going to keep a six figure job or better uh, as a uh, a diversity monitor if you don't find any breaches of diversity rules? You can't do it. All right. I had to get that in. And there's so much, so, so many things to talk about here. But uh, I would get back to uh, end this like I did last week. This is a quote from Edward R. Murrow, a real journalist like Dan Alexander is here, that there aren't too many of them left. And Edward R. Murrow said a nation of sheep will beget a government of wolves. So ponder that yeah well put that in your paper and smoke it put that in your cow and milk it with all the old expressions <laughs> listen Locked god bless god, god be with you and yeah. and keep you give us give us the serenity to accept <laughs> as much of this as we can and uh <laughs> whatever whatever you do to resist it don't let it inside don't let it tear you up don't let it stress you out yeah i think it ain't gonna end well but i want you to end well yeah. so uh 
as, as General Eisenhower once said, illegitium non carborundum, <laughs> which means, Bob, don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs> I'll try not to, Jim. Hey, okay. a lot of great reading here this week. This week, every follow up with uh, David Matthau, uh, Michael Simons, and Dino Flamia on all the stories that we talked about today. You can catch our podcast on demand anytime you want at nj1015.com on the station app and all of our platforms. We are here every Thursday at 1030 here on Facebook Live. Much thanks to our director and our producer, Dan Alexander, and to our host, Jim Gerhardt. Thanks again, Jim, and to everybody out there, have a great week, and thanks for being with us. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.